Okay, welcome everyone. The topic I would like to discuss tonight is uh, from the Hashkavic uh, portion of the evening. It was once observed by someone that most people don't know the Asas of Dibras, you know the Asura bumper stickers. It's true, the last ones come as very small pieces, but the earlier ones are longer, and not just Shabbos, there's a whole discussion of Shabbos there. But pre that, in, in the Second of the Asas of the Bruce. So Hashem says that it's an Isser to make a Surah with the Zara. Then Hashem says, um, it's a Perkhof, Posig, Posig. Hey. Don't bow to the Abu the Zaras, don't serve them. He is a, Hashem says that he's a, a jealous God. He will either remember or punish the sins of fathers on their sons. Al Shlishim, a third generation, the Aradim, the fourth generation of Sinai, for those who, who act, who hate Hashem. And he will do chesed for 2,000 generations for those he loves. And keep Hashem's mitzvahs. So the kasha is, Hashem here says that he is going to punish children for the sins of their fathers. And the obvious question is that that seems unfair. Um, why should a child be uh, punished? Why should they be responsible for that which their ancestors have done. You're talking here a great-grandchild who may never have seen this great-grandfather he's being punished for, and yet he's still on the hook for deeds done by this great-grandfather a you know, hundred years before. Seems to be for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, whose every, every action is so Alpi, HaTzadek V'Hamishpat, HaChesed V'Emes, to have such an hugger doesn't seem to fit with our understanding of the world. So before we begin to deal with the question, Rebelsky once had someone came to him and he he said he has a kasha. Why during the Holocaust were so many children nifter? What did they do wrong that they should be nifter? So Rebelsky said, I hear the kasha. Before I answer the question, I have a different question for you. Why in Mitzrayim were so many children left? In Mitzrayim also, there were tens and tens and thousands, if not millions of children that were left over the course of 10 years that they were there. He says, uh, how is that fair? So the guy says, Tagen. You're right. So he says, so can I ask you something? How can you ask on the Holocaust and not ask me on Mitzrayim? It's the same, it, hashkafically, intellectually, it's the same question. How can we ask on the Holocaust? Hey, so the guy says, because that happened now. And that, uh, so he says, okay, that means you're not coming intellectually. You're coming emotionally. Something hit you, and, and it, it, it's bothering you, and you're, you're roiling inside, you're cooking. And then you're asking me the question, though, as if you're asking it intellectually. 
He says, the real thing I need to do with you is calm me down. And, and hear you out. And, and let you get your emotions out. And then we can have a hashkavit discussion about what's the right thing to do. You know, uh, how to understand and how, to, how, do we, how do we look at such a thing. But as long as the person is still in the throes of emotion, so you're not able to, and it's not even right, to try to have a conversation with them about it on an intellectual level. Rashi says in Baba Basra that um, the that you hold the whole sefer Eve is a mushal. So what is the point of the sefer? Rashi seems to say there that the soil of the whole sefer is to teach you that people are not responsible for what they say when they're upset. And that throughout that whole story, Eve says things which no Godel should ever say. And the Gemara says on the Shon, his mouth should be filled with dirt, and, and, and he said, I'll be curses. And, and yet he's never punished for Adarava Hashem, the, with the, the, the friends who came and, and took him to task for the things he was saying, Hashem screams at them, and nothing at Eve. And basically what Hashem tells us is, someone's in terrible pain, that's not how you tell them, like, you know, the way you're talking is not be curses. You don't address the, the logical clothing that he's putting on on what he's saying. You have to talk to the to the feelings that are behind it. I remember when I was a division head. So I once had a DACA kid from something. I don't remember what it was. And he said, Oh, it's just so not fear. So I said, not fear? And I sat him down for like a half hour. And I went through exactly why it was fear. I said, Said, you may be disappointed, you may not like it, you may think it's wrong, but you can't say it's not fair. So after the whole conversation, half hour, what's his response? It's not fair. And I understood from that it's not fair doesn't mean it's you're using words of intellectual argument, fear. But it's not what he means. He means, I don't like this, I'm upset, I'm disappointed. So when Someone says something like that to you, you have to say, I understand you're disappointed. You say, no, that's, that's not fair. No, no, I understand you're disappointed. And, and, and that's, you have to talk to them on an intellectual level. The reality is, though, that we, this happens to us just as often as it happens to anyone else. You know, my friend says over at Meister that uh, there was a, a kid who was supposed to be in a, a play. And his part in the play was, hark, I hear the cannons roar. And he walked around the whole house, driving everyone crazy. Hark! I hear the cannons roar. Hark! I hear the cannons roar. The doors come. Hark! I hear the cannons roar. And, and everyone was going crazy from him. And then it came the night of play, and you know, someone wheeled out the cannon, and, and he's standing there, you know, his continental uniform and everything, and the guy goes, Bah! He goes, bah! What was that? And you know, you can have all the lines prepared and practiced, and then when it comes to Lamaisha, we lose it. We have we, we have all the intellectual ammunition. And we know how we're supposed to think about it. And of course, when someone, you know, blocks my car and it's coming from Hashem and it's not, I, there's no reason to get upset and there's no, and then when it happens, and we lose it anyway. But it, we shouldn't give up the fight. It is possible to come to a hakara of something, a, a, a deep enough level of understanding it, that it changes the way you perceive things. If we would walk into a hospital, Knowing nothing about the hospital, the doctors there, or the patients. And you see them come running in with someone who's clearly in distress. And they take this big machine, they just put it in here, zoop, and they slit them open from, you know, head to toe. And they start digging around inside. 
You would not say, police, police, on torture chamber. We would all be emuna shalema manish believe should be baking the svekais believe that contrary to what our eyes tell us that they're torturing the guy that they're trying to save his life. I, you don't see that. That's not what you see. You see them cutting someone open and pulling pieces out. But we have so conditioned ourselves to understand that a hospital is a place that's there for the benefit of the patients, and that. There is such a thing as cutting off parts of things in order to make the person survive that our brain immediately interprets what it's seeing in that light. And you don't have to be a big mining in hospital, or you do have to be, but we all are. That we have trained ourselves through so many years of, of seeing it and repeating it and not questioning it, that hospitals are good places, that that's how we interpret things. So it's important to try, especially on these emotionally charged topics, to try to, before they become Nagaya, understand the correct way of looking at it, and to come to a very deep, to keep Chazarim over and giving some shalom and picturing it as, as alive as you can, and using all the different tools to try to make it a real sensory experience, so that when it comes to Omaisa, we can respond properly and say our line, instead of going, what just happened. So, as far as this question of what it means that Hashem punishes children for their fathers. So, first, the Ibn Ezra's Mahalach in this Pasuk is that it's the Chlam not saying that the children get punished for the father. He says that the way you should read the Pasuk is that Hashem will not punish the father or the second generation or the third generation. He's going to keep waiting, trying to hope that they do tshuva. If there's a fourth generation that continues and persists in this in this bad behavior. So at that point it becomes unlikely that they're going to do tshuva, and at that point Hashem punishes, and it's the chlal, he's not punishing for the previous generation. He's only punishing the fourth generation for what the fourth generation did. And, 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 and the other three generations will have to deal with it in Gehenna, and they didn't get that opportunity to deal with it in this world, because Hashem was, was waiting for their benefit. So that, if you learn like that, so this kasha doesn't start, at least not from this passage, and maybe other places where it does come from, but, but from here not. The Rambam, the Rambam seems to learn, uh, based on things he said, the way he seems to bring these psukim as rayas in Hokkosh Tshuva, is that when the Pasuk says that children are punished because of the fathers, it's only re- referring to Bonim Ketan. The Rambam says a similar zach, um, but he doesn't say it's the only thing that it is, but the Rambam seems to learn that that's the answer to the sphere of Bukhim Sukkim. Here it says, that Bonim are punished for the father. There's another passage that says, They don't die from because of each other's sins. So the Rambam seems to learn, again, based on the way he brings the Psukim Azraiz there, that when you're dealing with a child who's a Golo, so then everyone has their own Cheshbon. Father's own Cheshbon, son's own Cheshbon. When it comes to Bonim Ketanim, so then they are Nechlal into the Cheshbon of their father. Now, the reality is that I think everyone's masked into the realm. The, the, the Gemara's more than one that say that so Bonim can be Nifter, Bechaya, Diem, and the mother does, could cause it to happen, or We see that there's things where the punishment is that a person's children can be Nifter. And the explanation there is that Sonar Bonim Ketan. And the logic behind that is that the kid is not yet self sufficient. He's dependent just like 
We don't, you know, it's not like, hey, why is it fear that because his father has money, he gets supported? Because that's what his father is doing for him. So he's, because his whole life is dependent upon his father, and then he lives in his father's house, he eats his father's food, and everything else comes from his father. So his, his entitlement to Chaim, to a certain extent, can be toilet in his father as well. The, the only Chiddush in the Rambam is that he's saying that that's the explanation of this positive in its entirety. That the only time that a child will be killed because of his father is, is when he's a Kata. And that, and that, that would, again, do away with the problem, because it means that for Gedolim, it never happens. That they are not punished for the sins of their father. Well, we find in, in the Rabban and in others that there's a, a different Mahalach. I want to preface it with a, with a, a, a Maisa, that uh, there was a, a family that my family was friendly with in the Bungalow colony, they lived in Flatbush, Mishpach's name is Kriegsman. And the, the mother was unfortunately Niftaras from Yanamachla at a very young age, uh, maybe 40 or so. And when she was already in advanced stage, advanced stages, so one of her daughters asked her, she said, Ma, why you? Why should this be happening to you? Okay, that's an emotional question. So the daughter was not looking for a, for a, uh, you, know, you can go into a whole shir, and Mitzvah Shem and Derech Hashem will come across exactly why it happens to be. Or one of the reasons, uh, one of, it's one of these seven reasons, and you can go give a whole shir on it. That's not what the daughter is looking for. And you never schus in a high pressure situation like that, that the right word should come to your mouth. And she was like, and she told her daughter, she said, I want to tell you something. When I was uh, 18, and I got married right away to a wonderful man, and I had many girls in my class who did not get married right away, so I didn't say, why me? And when I had children right away, and others didn't, I didn't say, why me? And when we had a, a Parnosa, and other people don't, and struggle with Parnosa, I didn't ask, why me? She's, and she went through many of the brachas in her life. She says, Baruch Hashem, I didn't ask why me, why was I, what did I do to be zayfa to this? She says, when the good comes, I accepted the good willingly and lovingly, with no unquestioningly, and I said, yeah, that's what Hashem wants. She says, now that it's turned against me, so now I'm going to start asking why me? So then first let me ask the cash on everything else in my life. Or, what did I do to be born? And what did I do to have a good upbringing? And to all the brachas that I had. And it's true. When someone looks at this positive and says, how is it fear that a child should have to be punished because of, because of the sins of his father? And then we're going to go down and marry him and say, Hashem, please help us in the schus of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Hello? That's the same Zach. Why should, and, and, and you understand why it should be that a child should be able to call on the schus of his father? If you want everyone to be their own person, and you want everyone to stand on their own schusim, so then you shouldn't be punished, but you shouldn't be rewarded either. And we have to recognize that when we're approaching this question on an intellectual level, when we're trying to understand it, it's just as big a kasha why we should be able to tap into the schusim of our tatas as it is why we should potentially suffer for the others of our fathers. And we have to ask both questions at the same time. So there's a mahalach, the, the kash, there's a kasha like this. The Ramchal says that tshuva is a tremendous chesed of Hashem. 
He says, uh, I think it's in uh, Aleph maybe. Doesn't make sense that should be there, but I think that's what it is. Maybe well, he asked, he asked that um, is anyone who says that Hashem overlooks Averoi, so he gets his Chaim is overlooked, and Chas Vashon, that Hashem will do something, <coughs> is, is, is Din, and, and is MS, and, and you can't just, if there's an Averoi, it has to be dealt with. So he says, so then what is Chesed, what is the Rachmanis and the Chesed of Hashem do? He says, the world cannot exist without the Rachmanis and the Chesed of Hashem. And he says, gives us one of his examples of what it helps for is that Hashem accepts charotas, charotas ha-machshova, that if a person in his head says, I wish I had never done that, so it says, if it was never done. And he says, that's a tremendous chesed. Why should it be that way? You did it. It's on the record. And just because you feel bad about it, it should be expunged from the record. So he says, it's tremendous chesed. The kasha is, the Rambam writes, that's how we pass it, that if someone is toyal or shanish, if someone has charata on doing a mitzvah, so they lose the sky of the mitzvah. You can do tshuva on the mitzvah too. And a person says, oh, right. let's say they gave someone a rod. And they went a little out of their way. And then they find that they just came late to something and they screamed at it and said, I should have never taken the guy. Right? So they had charot on doing the mitzvah, so they lose the sky of the mitzvah. Which is silly, because you're already right, not worth doing. You already did the mitzvah. You already got whatever consequences causing you to regret it. Maybe make a rule for the future, but don't regret doing it in the past. That's time, just bad, bad business. But, so, <laughs> so Ramam says that you lose the sky. So the kasha is, if tshuva is, does, in logic it doesn't make sense. Uh, ripping out some, just uh, regretting something should not erase it. And Hashem only does it as a chesed for us. So then why does he do it when we do good things? Well, it's not a chesed. Good kasha. So the, the explanation given is that it has to be a fear world. The, without the ability to be tshuva, the world cannot survive. So Hashem made this chesed called tshuva. That if you akiris ha-machshava, akiris ha-rotzlein, is akiris ha-maisa. If you regret something, it's like it's not there. But once Hashem made such a rule, then it has to cut both ways. And if you're going to regret, then if you regret good, it has to be that good goes away too. The, otherwise it stands, you can't have such a zach. So too, we would say the same thing here. That... Hashem knew that we need the schus always in order to be able to survive. And therefore Hashem made a mechanism in the world that He's going to accept schusim and He's going to allow children to be on the account of their parents. He did that as a chesed for us because we need it. But once it was put into the Bria, it has to cut both ways. It has to be that there's such a concept with negative also. Now, does it have to be to the same extent? No. You see in the Boston, it's 500 times more for good than for bad. But it can't be that there's no such concept in bad. That on, for bad, you're on your own chesed, but for good, you're on, so you, you get to, 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 to put it on the bill. That doesn't make sense. So therefore, according to that Mahalach, the explanation for why it would be fear that children are punished for their fathers is hagufa. Since they are rewarded for things the father does, and we need that, so Hashem said, I'm going to go with that mahalach, but, but you're going to sometimes suffer the consequences of it that Amal, you have to deal with your previous generations, Averis, your generation. The, the Rabag, I'm pretty sure it's the Rabag, it's in Yeshua someplace. I wasn't able to refine it now, but I've seen it in the past. Kemat Borat, the Rabag. He says there, 
a different Mahalach. He says like this. He says that a person, when they do an Avera, so they sometimes uh, they'll do something wrong. He says once a second generation already starts doing it, so it becomes much more of a shita in the family that this is how we do things. And if a third generation does it, and a fourth generation does it, so it's kimat, you can't talk to the people anymore when it comes to this topic. It becomes, this is how we do things. And he says, Mamela, you know that the point of punishment is not just Hashem being vindictive. It's to try to, cor- it's to be a corrective measure. To, that the person gets punished so that they understand that what they're doing is wrong and they need to change. So let's say, for Avera, uh, a, a, a level 10 Avera, so you need a level 10 of punishment to get you to change your behavior. Right? Obviously, it's something you're, you want to do, you have a time before, so Hashem has to give a, a, a deterrent to stop you from doing it. He says, that's only when it's, when it's you. But if you're dealing with a few generations worth of, of doing this bad thing, so the normal level of deterrent, even though the Avera that you're doing is a level 10, but it's, it's coming with the momentum of four generations. So in order to stop, it needs Poshna of 40 on, on, the, on the punishment scale in order to get you to change. Because there's too much momentum to just stop based on a normal punishment. So it's really, that is, it's, 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 it's both. The person is only being punished for his Avera. He's not really taking the rap for his father's Avera. It's, it, all that he gets from his father's Avera is what it does to him. To the extent that he carries around within him his father's Avera and that it's affecting the way he views the world and it's affecting how he makes decisions so that he will get more punishment than a normal person would get in his situation because that, that issue has to be dealt with as well. And that's what he is of the way he is. It's just that's what it takes to put the brakes on him. Or maybe deepens this concept a little bit when he talks about Swiss Ovois, he gives a marshal. He says that, uh, imagine if you have two youths who, who break the law. Whatever, they graffiti the wall. Right? They go over and they graffiti. Not a major crime, but it's the beginning of, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's the beginning of a life of lawlessness. You're starting with the small, petty crimes, and then you move up to bigger things. So they come before the judge. The judge looks into it, and he... he asks about the families, and he finds out that one of the boys is from a very upper-class, upstanding family of, you know, respectable people, his father's civil servant, and his mother's school teacher, and whatever it is. And the other kid has no parents, and he's living basically on the street. So on one hand, the judge says, look, this kid has all the advantages in the world. He should never do such a thing. And the other kid is, we understand where he's coming from. But as far as trying to stop them from going further in this life, the, in the case of the boy who comes from a good family, the judge can consider remanding him into the custodianship of his parents, who will spank him, and tell him, you know, you can't be like that. And there's, it will get corrected. Look at all his brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles, and everyone's turns out good. This boy, there's no place for him to go except them. He's in the gutter. He has no good. He has no, no one to look up to. So in Melo, we may have to take more drastic measures, send him to some juvenile, you know, delinquency center, in order to try to fix him because he doesn't have anything at home to bring him back. So that's the one we call on Swiss Avos 
We're not just asking for a freebie of the Skosodas. What we're saying to Hashem is that we have an anchor in a good place. It's true we've drifted, we've moved away from what we're supposed to be. But there's something within us, there's the, if you want to call it the Pintaliyah, the Magen Avram, the whatever it is, that's always pulling us back to good. So we say to Hashem, you don't have to punish us now. If you give us time, you'll see that we'll drift back to where we're supposed to be. And in Anarino, that the, the Klai Yisrael doesn't always have to be whacked in order to get them to go back. We're good people and we, we want to be close to Hashem. By the Goyim, they have no history. To the extent that they have an anchor, it's pulling them away. So Hashem, if he wants to give them a chance to be good, has to, unfortunately, pull out the stick and, and, and show them, look, the, the way you're doing it is not acceptable. That's uh, what he says, the Gemara, the, the Gemara says that regarding the question of tzaddik v'ralai, that there are some tzaddikim who have it bad in this world, and Rosh HaVetavli, there are some other good, so the, one of the answers that the Gemara gives to that is that tzaddik v'ralai is a tzaddik ben Rosh and the tzaddik who's going to have it good is the tzaddik ben tzaddik, and this reversed by a Russia. A Russia v'tavli is because he's a Russia ben tzaddik, so he has good in this world, and a Russia ben Russia has it bad. So he explains oh, with these lines. He says that a, you have this person, he's the son of a tzaddik. So what, how are we going to get him to do the right thing? So he's a tzaddik, but he did something wrong. So if he's a tzaddik, ben tzaddik, so he's anchored in good, so Hashem can continue showering him with good, and hopefully I will get him back onto the right track. Why do you have to do with bad if you can do it with good? Hashem will give him incentives make his life a little easier, give him more bracha, and maybe he'll come back to the right way. Because that's a svar to say so, because he's a tzaddik ben tzaddik. He has a father that pulls him back. Mashenkin is a tzaddik ben Russia. Once he starts drifting off from his sifkis, so the only example that he has is his father, who's a Russia. So then Hashem has to be more firm and give him negative in this world to try to push him back onto the right path. The opposite is with the Russia. The Russia, the same, whatever, the Russia, if he's a Russia ben Sadiq, so Hashem doesn't have to deal with his rishos through punishment because he's Lamaisa ben Sadiq. And maybe if we give him enough good, he'll, he'll again, he'll eventually click in. You know what? Why aren't I more like my father? But if he's Russia ben Russia, so there's no hope for him unless through the corrective measure of punishment. Elijah, we should be Zoyka that uh, to always understand and be able to accept the lessons from Hashem through the good. And uh, not through the bad, and uh, to have the to take these ideas and bring them into ourselves deeply enough that again, but when there's ever uh, there should be an asayin in this regard that a person is able to to stand firm and not become emotional and reject what's happening, but to accept that this if if this is happening to me, it's a sign that I I've been dragged along by by some of the perhaps negative attitudes that I yarshin from previous generations, from the Sviv around me, and, uh, you know, I just have to shackle myself up, I have to fight even harder to go against that, and then I'm the person should be able to rise out of the negative situation. Um, in the, the Gemara tells us that the Medrash, that the, the, the children in Yerushalayim, generally in Yerushalayim, specifically in Yerushalayim, were extremely intelligent and witty boys. And uh, you see from the Gemara and Arab and other places that they wouldn't talk normally in Yerushalayim. Uh, if you wanted cookies from your mother, you had to tell her a riddle. 
and she would tell you a riddle back, and, and you had to understand if you didn't, you didn't get the cookies, and that was it. And right, the Gemara says, if you wanted beets and mustard, so you didn't say, I want tordurin al khardal, you said, I want shorbedin al harchal. And the, the, you know, you're coming to make your order in the restaurant, and you tell them, the guy this, he says, go jump in a lake, tell me what you want, or get out of here. No! That, yeah, that's what you want. And they would tell you back your order that way too, and everyone just had to get it. So, the like Gemara says that there was someone, the Medjur says, there was someone who was walking, trying to get to Yerushalayim, and he, he meets a boy at the crossroads. So he says, which of the roads here is the quickest road to Yerushalayim? So the boy tells him, he says, well, this one is the short road that's long, and this is the long road that's short. Yeah, it's true what they say about that. Uh, whatever. Uh, why do you say this one short road that's long? Okay, sure, good, I'm going. So he starts walking, and it's taka, a short road, and it goes, mamish, it's straight to Yerushalayim, except when he gets to the wall, that door has been bricked up. So he comes walking back the hallway, and he gets to the chair, he says, why don't you tell me? He says, I did, I said it's a short road, but it's long, because you end up having to come back. And then he goes the other way, and he's, he's, you know, he's torn through fires, and twists and turns, but he finally, eventually, he comes out uh, into Yerushalayim. So the Baal Tani uses this martial also, that sometimes in Yiddishkeit, there are mahalchim, they start off very smooth and all good, but they're dead ends. You can't get anywhere with them. There's a certain mahalchim of Hashem that are gewaldic, except there's no one who does them anymore. So you don't have a rabbi, so you're like toast. You know, someone finds some, uh, reads in a book about some ancient, you know, I don't know if I see this, that had an interesting mahalchim that really talks to him. But you're doing it alone, so that's the long road, that's a short road that's long. You can end up, uh, no, it's not going to work. The, the famously, there's an Isser in the Asar Zedibus, like Sachman. You're not allowed to be jealous. Now, in Halacha, it's the way we paskin, is that one is only over on like Sachman if they do something to get the item that they are jealous of. And to just have the feeling in one's heart of being jealous and wanting what someone else has, that's not Lysachma, it's Lysachma, which is in Pashas Vazkana. Lamaisa, the Ibn Ezra, very famously over here, treats it at least as if the Isra of Lysachma is a feeling. And he asks, how is it shy for a person to control the feeling of jealousy? The jealous, the jealous. And very famously, he gives his mushal that, uh, just like a commoner is not, uh, is not in this Ava, after the after a princess it's so far removed from him so too if a person would understand that hashem gives up each one of us everything that we need and asking for or wanting something that hasn't been given to you and, and not just turn to hashem and say look if, if i need it please give it to me but trying to get it through devious means or non-devious means of force from someone else is like a ham or a screwdriver asking for the head of a hammer not only would he not be a good hammer because the rest of this thing is not built like a hammer, but it wouldn't be a good screwdriver anymore either. It, it's just not a good thing to have. So it, 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 the whole thing should dissipate. Lamaisa, um, it, it's so comforting to think that we're not in control of our feelings. And that there are certain things, look, this is the way I was made, I'm an angry person, I'm an impatient person, I have this problem. Well, Hashem made me this way. And... <sighs> Now, Ibn Ezra is telling me that the Chinuch Mamish goes to town on it in, 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 over there in Dvar, that a person can change their behaviors and that a person is mechuyiv to, to be in control of what their heart is doing and not just what their hands are doing. 
So that's, that feels like the long road. That feels like such a scary responsibility to take that it's on me. But the tarot is that it's the long road that's short. What's the alternative is that you're stuck the way you are. And all the problems in our lives that happen because of our bad midas, the fights that we get into, and the heartache that we have, and the, the, the tremendous bitl of simcha, the, 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 the inability to enjoy all the blessing that we have in our lives because we're so busy looking at what we don't have instead of the million and one things that we do have. And to think that we're stuck with that, it's comforting, on one hand, I'm not responsible, but it means there's nothing I can do about it. And that means that this misery that I potentially live my life with due to my bad midas, I'm stuck with. Knowing that I'm responsible to change also tells me that it means I have the ability to change. And that means those things that are bothering me today, those things that I'm suffering from today, the fact that I can't go on a car ride without getting into a fight with the person sitting next to me doesn't have to be the way my life is going to be forever. I can do something about it. And I can change. And I can become someone different. The, the, the fact that the Torah holds it as my responsibility, while scary at first, to accept that responsibility is a tremendously freeing thing. To know that it is within my grasp to become someone with the meanness of a Moshe Feinstein. And you read the book, you're like, wow, phony. Yes, it's possible to become a Chacham like him. Not so posh. That is even Shadik. To become a Tzadik like Moshe. Right? Call Yisrael Royal, leave Tzadik and Moshe Feinstein. That's certainly possible. Okay, a few of the short verter. The the, the Pasha begins in the, right at the beginning, first Pasik. It says, Yishma So the fact that he was the Kayin Midyon, it belongs in this Pasik. It's part of the Shvach of Yisrael. That even though he wasn't functioning fully as kind minion anymore, and he was, but he was still was a person that was having a nice house there and other fine accoutrements, and, and and yet he was willing to live all behind and go into the midbar. So that's a shvach of Yisrael. What does Chos and Moshe have to? Why is it doing in this pasuk? The later next time it's mentioned, it fits in much better. Rashi says over here. That uh, it, it, notice the shift that has happened. That previously Moshe was referred to as the son-in-law of Yisrael, and now Yisrael is referred to as the father-in-law of Moshe, because Moshe had risen to tremendous prominence. But that has nothing. That, that should come later. Here it's just saying that he heard. Why are you putting that in over here? I think it's possible to say that the reason why it's in this pasuk is because we find it says Mashmu uh, What did Yisrael hear that made him come? So he heard Muhammad Samalik, he heard Chris Yamsev. Everyone in the world, certainly Chris Yamsev, everyone heard. Something happened all over. Why was Yisrael the only one who came? You don't find a single record of any other I mean, it's that king who wanted to find out something like a Muslim, you know, to have a picture made. But no one else, like, yeah, oh, wow, amazing. Uh, what were we doing now? Or whatever it was. What was different about Yisrael that made him listen? And perhaps we can say from the positive, what was different is there was Chesh that he had spent X number of years living together with Moshe Rabbeinu. And living with a person of that caliber changes you. And you become someone who's more sensitized to Kedusha, 
someone who's a better listener, someone for whom life is a more serious thing. It's one of the things you notice about Gedolim. There's Gedolim who are very scary people, and there's Gedolim who are much more jovial people, but there's always around them a certain sense of uh, not chill kind, of that there's a seriousness, that life is something that matters. And when a person stays around them long enough, it rubs off. And of course it only rubs off on the level of the person you are, and the cotton is maktinet to his level, but it becomes, life becomes a little bit more serious, and you become someone who's a little bit more attentive and a little more focused. And Yisrael, he wasn't a small person, he was a big person, he was yoyed from Moshe to the point that when the right news came, he, it, it galvanized him to go and do something about it. And the lesson we should take for ourselves is to we have to try to have as much time that we can spent with Gedon. It's an unfortunate fact that this time of the year, usually the Gedon are always dragged around the neighborhood or, you know, Likud comes to Mansi and Slavokka comes to Mansi and everyone comes to Mansi in various parts. And Baruch Hashem, we have those people who are kind enough to, um, to do what it takes to get them to come into our neighborhood. And we have a, a, a person has to run and take those opportunities. And I, you know, people have uh, this, this conflicting mices about, you know, uh, people who didn't leave yeshiva to go see Gedal, you know, if it was a good zach, it was a bad zach. That, that's a shayla if, if, if you never take your head out of Yigamara. If you leave your Gemara to go see the Super Bowl, so then you can also leave your Gemara to go see Agado. And and it's really it's a, it's a it's a tremendous loss for us this year that we're not having it. But it, it doesn't only mean world class Gedal. Baruch Hashem, uh, the Arabonim and, and the, those that we have access to, even on a more daily basis, they all have this aspect where they live their life on a higher plane. And they're concerned about things that are of a more serious nature. And the more time we can spend just sitting around them, it doesn't even mean being a talmud. It just and, and or asking their advice and changing the way you do things, but just look and let it seep in. And we can also become, if not Khaisan Maisha, but Khaisan, whoever our Godal, our local Godal would be. The Pasuk um, continues in Pasuk Beis, and it says, After he had sent her. So Rashi brings down over here a very interesting that We know, Taka, that in earlier in Pasha Shabbos, they were coming with Moshe to Mitzrayim, and now here they're not with him anymore. So Rashi explains that when they got close to Mitzrayim, and Aaron came out to meet Moshe, so he says, And who are these? He says, This is my open children. He said, what are you doing with them? He says, well, I'm coming to Mitzrayim. So I'm bringing them with. He says, we're already in us, And you're bringing in more? No. Moshe was coming to save Pahasar. He was coming to change the whole situation. I don't believe that. I'm sure he had been told so in a Nebuah by Hashem. I'm saying he believed it. So you're talking a little bit a few months from when Moshe came and the first the situation got worse. That's how long they would have been under that problem. That it was all Marcus land, that it was it was all good from there. Nothing that they were Levine. So they weren't going into Shibu. It was I'm sure it wasn't a schmack in the time for the Levine either. But it wasn't like they're coming and they're gonna be, you know, why they're gonna get killed within those few months, they're gonna be beaten, they're gonna have scars on their back for the rest of their life. They're Levine, they're gonna go learning Yeshiva. Aaron was the he was the he was the the head there in Mitzrayim. 
So he has millions of cases that he's worrying about. Would three more really have, does it make a difference? If it's a million or a million and three people? He's like, I, I can't, I can't. Please don't bring anyone more. I can't, I can't deal with it. It's the same. It's like, it's a big problem. Right? You know, there's, uh, right, there's this issue with the, the girls can't get out to schools. There's no schools for anyone, right? So there's like 60 girls without a school. No, 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 you're wrong. There's 61. <gasps> what? 61? <laughs> Okay, whatever. Yeah, that's what I meant. Right? But that's what I meant, and that's why I'm not a Gadol. Because the MS is that I don't, it's not, it doesn't become a bunch of, just a lot of Sarah, Sarah, When people go to Gadolin, and even when they don't go to Gadolin, they don't just know about it, and you see it when you're talking about it, then Mamish Margish the Tsar, Ke'il with them, and every person, it's, it's like a completely new Zah. I don't know how they do it. I don't understand how a person sits and, and rebbes and, and, and Rosh Yeshiva and listens to tsar after tsar after tsar the whole day. Uh, you know, in Yeshiva by us, we have a, a zach by Shoivim. So make a Shoivim deal with the boys. They come in and they mamish go through all the, all the nesioinis and they try to create some sort of program to, you know, dynamite them out of it. I, I can't do more than two a day. I, I'm wrung out from listening to what these guys go through and the and the nesiones and the nefilas and, and the, the disappointments and the challenges and all the things that are going on in their life. I come out of I didn't pray. I didn't go to sleep. And, and I'm listening to one person. And they somehow stand up under under it all. But it's not because it just becomes a guy. Right? I, I was told by a psychologist, a friend of mine, a social worker. He said he was told. He was told. He spoke to a a, a godel, a, 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 a tremendous talmud chacham who deals with psychologists. They told him you are not allowed to daven for your patients because if you do, then there has to be a place that when you walk out of that room, it's like you shut off the problems. Otherwise, he said it's going to kill you. It's going to eat you up inside. You're dealing with problems the whole day, and and, and then you take it into your field and then you're sitting there thinking about myself. But no, not like that. I mean. They do turn it off at certain times, but but they do dive into people, and it's always available to be turned back on. And we have to see from this Rashi what it means to be a godel, and we have to try on our level to do that as well. That it should that when we deal with people, it doesn't have to only be tzaras. When we deal with people, we should deal with people. We should deal with individuals, and and not just deal with like the cloud called people. Uh, I said a little bit, we're, we're not, we're like socially off when it comes to chesed. Tahainu, we have a lot of stories, and we know what you're officially supposed to do. So we do them, but we don't, we don't really get it. Like, we're not really thinking, what does this person need? We're doing our chesed, instead of doing the chesed they need. There's a maestro where Pam, his rabbitson, I think it was one of the David, who lives in Toronto, or David Pam, is here now, but uh, I think the no, no, came. But but so she he had a baby, so she went to take care of it, and she left her palm watching the family. So the way uh, you know, I, I think I heard the story from Reisman. He says in every marriage is one that's neater than the other. He says in that marriage, her palm was the was the neater one. So every day, as soon as they ate supper, they all took the dishes, they washed them, and they put them away, and there was no palming up in the sink. So he said, the day that Robinson Palm was coming home, so we all know, like, the right thing to do is to wash the dishes and make sure there's no mess when she comes home. So that night, Palm said, leave the dishes in the sink. Dirty. 
Don't wash them, leave them in the sink for mommy when she comes home. So, what's Pshat? So Pshat is, he didn't have a story in his pocket that what you're supposed to do. He, flew, he got into his wife's psyche, and he says, when she comes home and she sees that the house is neater than the way she usually keeps it, so what is she going to think? Yikes, my husband doesn't like the way I keep the house. So rather than do this, and probably, and possibly, Rebson Palm had a personality. Uh, and she used to scream at her. She, she, uh, she, she was a person. When she came home, it could be she did some lighthearted ribbing. Come on, you can't do the dishes for me. I have to come home to messy dishes. He said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, you're right, you're right, you're right. But Lamaisa, in his heart, what was the thought? The thought process was she comes home and she sees she, uh, she's needed. I can't take care of the house without her. Like, I, 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 I can't, I, the, the laundry and the dishes, I'm just, I don't want, thank you for coming home. We needed you here. That's, doing, that's really being chesed. That's getting into the person that you're, that you're doing chesed for and not just doing what you like to do, but doing what the person needs to be done. We're over time, but I need to say something else. There's some other ones here that are very good. Um, I just, one more zach. One more zach on the same idea. Um, I, whenever I say a vart, there's, there's always another side of the vart. And I like it that we should hear the, uh, that there's two sides of something. And not, again, so that we don't become just people with stories. But people have to think a little deeper and decide which side are you supposed to do. The, 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 the Moshe Rabbeinu, when he's asked by Yisrael, what's going on with these long, gigantic lines of people? So he says, well, when there's a Dover Kosha, so it comes to me. Um, it should say they come to me. The people who have the problem come to me. The beginning of the puzzle is in Kiyilahem, when they have a problem. So the, the Zoya says that Boilai means the dim comes to me. That means Moshe says, we can maybe illustrate with a Maisa, there was once a lady, a poor lady, who brought in a chicken. To 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 Reb Chaim. Reb Chaim didn't usually Reb Chaim Briska didn't usually pass. Even though it was the Rav and Brisk, didn't usually pass Mishal. I guess whoever normally passed Mishal, Simchazel was the Dayan, but whoever passed him the chicken channels wasn't available, so he had to pass her. And and uh, was there, the Rav, you know, the Baruch Bar was there, I think, and they started dining on the Shaila and they're hacking back and forth, and like four hours go by. And then, you know, and eventually the lady came and she said, look, I'm not that poor, I'll just get another chicken. So, like, coming out of, like, he says, what? He says, we're not dining on your chicken. We're dining on the Torah. When we come out at the end of the Torah, so we'll apply it to your chicken. Very good, so whatever, go get another chicken if you want. But we have to know what the Torah says about this. The kasha is boiling like, the din is boiling like. And when a person comes to a, Rabbam used to say that a din Torah is not a fight. It should be two people coming, and each one, you know, I have a shver, a shver kind in the sugya. Is the halach like me, or is the halach like this bum? No, is the halach like me, or is it like him? And, and each way should be equally valid to you. Just, you always like your shot better. But, but if it's not, so it's not. It doesn't have to be a fight. It doesn't have to be two people don't like each other afterwards or during or before. Lamaisa, balancing that story, is another story of Chaim, although I saw it also from, from Beis Aladis. I don't know which one it's, Amos it's from. But someone came and asked the Shailah, he wants to know if he could be out to the Dal Kaisis with milk. So Beis Aladis said, no, you need wine. And he, and he gave him money for the wine. So first of all, Dosalein, 
<laughs> in order to answer the Shaila, to give from his own limited funds to deal with it. A Meister Rebetzin sees what he's giving, she says. I know you're in Mufka, but that's not how much wine costs. That's not how much wine costs. But if someone is asking if they could drink milk, it means they don't have meat either. That means Rechayim, while he was dining on the din Bo'elai and dining the Toyma din of the milk, but he still didn't forget that there's a person asking the Shaila. And that the person has a situation and that you have to answer the din and answer the person as well. Remember, says that Dabramov, when he did Mishpat, so he did, he did uh, um, tzedakah or mishpah. So it says, what does that mean? You can't, how you, you're not allowed to do tzedakah and din. If a poor person comes and the imam has, has nothing, and he has a din tar against a rich person, you can't say, look, the rich person is high in tzedakah anyway, so I'll just make the din like the poor guy. You have to pass him. So that's what Dabra Malf did. He would pass him, like the rich guy, the poor person you have to pay. And then he would take out his money from his pocket and say, here, go pay. Right? He did tzedakah. You have to remember that there's a Torah, and the Torah is not limited by the situations that we find it in. We have to recognize that Torah is bigger than any specific situation. And that we're dying on the Torah, and that when we say Deyos, and we say Shittas, and we say things, it's Torah, you're talking Torah. And you have to go about it with the rigor of Torah. You can't just, uh, you know, as well, make it that it fits what the, the agenda that you wanted to say. But on the other hand, we have to realize that that very big Torah needs to be brought back and applied to real people. And you have to do so with an understanding of the way people work. It's a shame. We should be zoichah to do so. Have a wonderful show.